is Phil Kane, host of the Commercial Debt Doctors podcast. And on today's podcast, we are very excited to have Phil McNeil, co-founder and managing partner of Farragut Capital Partners, operating out of Washington, D.C. Farragut Capital Partners is an SBIC mezzanine debt and equity firm that invests in companies whose revenue is roughly 10 million to 100 million. Phil McNeil is an experienced professional. We are so excited to have him on to share his knowledge and experience with us today. Welcome to the show, Phil McNeil of Farragut Capital Partners. That's F-A-R-R-A-G-U-T CapitalPartners.com. Well, thanks for joining. Uh, I'm here with uh, Phil McNeil, who is one of the co-founders of Farragut Capital Partners, and we're really excited to have him on our podcast today. So thank you so much for joining, Phil. Uh, Phil, thanks for having uh, me. We're, uh, I'm looking forward to this. I listened to yeah, your and what, uh, podcast and uh, about um, war stories and uh, kind of felt that line as well. <laughs> good. And the good news is uh, we, we won't be able, we won't forget each other's names. It'll be easy That's to remember. That's true, yeah. Phil, Phil and Phil. <laughs> so Phil uh, McNeil, thank you so much for joining us. So your firm, Farragut Capital Partners, is a, uh, a mezzanine uh, debt firm, a, uh, a credit fund. So you, you uh, I don't want to steal your thunder, but uh, I, want to, I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself. But you're a firm that we know very well and have a lot of respect for you. So we're really excited to have you on today and, and hear your story. So um, first things first, why don't you maybe just give us a little bit of a background of uh, your firm and your overview and, and your history. Yes. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for asking. Um, so Farragut Capital, as you said, is a, is a mezzanine and private equity fund. We do a fair amount of equity as well in the, in the, the deals that we invest in, primarily in debt, but nonetheless, mm-hmm. a lower middle market. Um, we've, this was founded about 10 years ago, um, and we're on our second fund, uh, reaching about $280 million now. And we are, okay. we're, we're based in Washington, D.C. And one thing, though, even though we've been around, uh, you know, we were founded 10 years ago, the three founding partners have worked in some combination together for the last year. So we know each other pretty well. And uh, sure. there's a lot of deals in common. Um, I, I think added up, we've done about 150 deals uh, without overlap over the last um we've been together so um wow wow that's a and lot in this fund and in this five uh investments so um yeah you know fairly for, diverse for, and- for, 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 for folks not in the deal business that's a lot 150 because each deal has its own uh you could write a book about each deal so that's like a library full of- <laughs> and i gotta tell you they they come around uh you start seeing similar deals and and that's sort of a, a benefit of being around for a while is that you know you you know a little bit about a lot of things so a new sure, deal comes in sure. and you, you sort of hit the ground running in your in the way you you analyze the deal 
So, and so when did you found uh, Farragut? It was 10 years ago. It was 2011. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, we had actually been a, a, a non-level mezzanine fund before that, decided to go to the SBI, go to the SBA, get an SBIC license. Um, Javier Aguirre, my partner and I were working together at the time. We reached out to Cabell Williams, who used to work with me in, uh, in a prior fund. And the three of us teamed up again and, and started this one. It was, it was a fairly small fund. It was about a hundred million dollars, but we did 28 deals in that by essentially recycling. Uh, It was a, it was a pretty active fund. It's going to be a nice return. So at the end of the day, um, it, it was a good first fund and now we're on our second one. And, um, you know, fairly far along in that one. Great. And so tell us a little bit uh, more about how you work. I mean, you're, you're, uh, it sounds very uh, imposing some, somewhat to maybe to some folks, $280 million is a lot of money. And, uh, and you're a mezzanine debt firm. How many, how, how many folks are in your company? As so there's only, there? there's only seven of us. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, every function in the organization. Um, at, at the end of the day, though, we are looking for, for deals. We do deals that are not um, like like private equity funds that, that do buyouts and, and you have to jump in and control them. These are investments where we're, um, we're investing alongside a management team or a private equity group and really partnering with them. This you know, the mezzanine world is all about aligning interest and partnership. And what we've done really is find, you know, great best alongside, um, set up, set it up for success. And at the end of the day, when we're, we've got 25 active deals in the portfolio, you're only working really on the ones that are going through something good or something bad. And like right now, right. acquisitions and uh, not, not only in the analysis of those, but in the financing. So it's um, we can do that with a fairly light team, um, and w- we think that's a that's the best way to to manage a a fund this size. Sure, and then what you do a deal, you you really get to know folks, and of course they're able to reach out and talk to you, and uh, anytime they have uh, they have uh, questions or an issue, they can. You guys are a small firm. They can just get a hold of you easily. And, yeah. And what, uh, what, very, very relationship oriented. Yeah. One nice thing actually is that, you know, it's a small off. Everybody knows every deal. Uh, there's no, um, you know, investment committee. Everyone is around the. So it's a situation where everybody knows every, every deal. And to the extent that, vacation or Javier is, you know, um, out for some reason, you know, we can step into each other's deals pretty quickly. Uh, and it also means that at least two of us and sometimes three of us will go on site and, and kick the tires. So we get to know the, the CEOs, mm-hmm. the, the private equity groups uh, fairly well and develop a good relationship that way. Sure. Sure. Well, great. Well, thanks for that overview and, and history. So, I, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today is um, just to hear some uh, some success stories. Um, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of times uh, business owners, uh, 
can have the uh, the the misconception that if they want to uh, uh, make an acquisition or potentially um, recap some of their own equity, that they're going to have to uh, dilute their own equity. They're going to have to give up a fair amount of ownership or maybe even sell their company. A lot of times you hear that from business owners, first time business owner, uh, first time they've ever done a transaction. They think, well, I, you know, it's very all or nothing. So maybe talk about some of the success stories, how, um, how your firm is able to, um, to uh, provide really an elegant solution to some of those dilemmas. Yeah. Uh, we do a lot of different kind of, we'll do, you know, sponsor led buyouts, management led buyouts, add on acquisitions, uh, growth deals, recaps. Um, but I was thinking there's, you know, we've done a couple of just management led add on acquisitions. So that's where somebody's got a nice business. They see their competitor, they have a chance to buy it. And then they to figure out how to finance that. Um, the mm-hmm. thing about mezzanine is it's um, long-term capital because it's, it's not like the bank, you know, the banks will, lend you money and they're kind of fussy in the sense that they want it back as quickly as possible. Um, we're that next chunk of capital that is, uh, that doesn't really have amortization. So it's in there for pretty much the life of a transaction until, uh, you know, five years or something like that till the next event happens. So uh, we, we did a couple of deals. Uh, both of these were management led buyouts of an existing, buying a competitor and the first one was kind of interesting because it was a um uh, it was out in california it was uh, run by just a dynamic uh, ceo um it was in the telecom business he was buying someone he knew and it was a uh, uh, buying a competitor it was actually a little bit different business it was a selec but nonetheless great opportunity um and what we did is we came in with some, some debt, uh, behind the senior debt, uh, that, that didn't amortize. And then we put a little equity in as well. So what ended up happening is they make the acquisition. This is mm-hmm. a, this is a success story at the end, but at the beginning it was, they stumbled out of the gate and it was good that there was mezzanine there because it acted as a bit of a shock absorber to the senior lender. They, they didn't panic. Uh, you know, as uh, as the acquisition work out. And then because we developed such a good relationship with the CEO, we could be his sounding board and counsel him as best we could as to what to do next and how to focus. And at the end of the day, sure. he drove that company to, you know, high level and sold it at a, um, at a, the kind of, now turned into just a big win for everybody and that was a that was a good scenario mezzanine was there um to really help bridge that gap between debt and equity um mm-hmm. when and 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 that brings up a couple of interesting points too because you mentioned how um you know and that's something we hear often from business owners that uh they uh you know it's kind of lonely so you're, you were out not only uh, providing him with capital, but you're able to provide him with some good counsel and, and uh, stewardship. 
Yeah, and it kind of goes back to those all those deals that we've seen before. We we generally attend and observe and participate in board meetings. And for that matter, every time something important happens. So if, you know, an acquisition opportunity or divestiture or whatever it is, you know, we're in the discussion. So we've seen a little bit of, um, you know, every scenario and we can bring that to uh, the CEO. CFO sometimes as we uh, as as we're working with them through the transaction, and you know at the very at the very least you're right. I think CEOs sometimes have a a lonely position because they they need to uh, act as a leader, and leaders can't be wishy washy. But at the same time, you really need to kind of talk through all the scenarios, all the 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 things that um, that could go right or could go wrong, and we we do provide that I think for a lot of these uh, smaller businesses. Yeah. You brought, you also brought up another, another really good, good point that, um, uh, which is the flexibility that you're able to um, provide truly flexible solutions, meaning it could start out. Maybe you're having a conversation about debt only, and then it pivots into debt plus some equity. So maybe talk about that flexibility yeah. that you have being a small firm. Right. And, we can do just straight debt deals as well. Uh, another very similar scenario where a man bought another company, um, and this was in the in, like in the actuarial business. So these guys are kind of naturally okay. risk averse. You know, they they thought they thought, well, you know, we think this you never know. So why don't we put in some of that sub debt to give us real comfort that you know in the first year or two or three that we can. We can get through this and not have to worry about something that goes wrong. So mm-hmm. we could be flexible in structuring it that way, where it's just a straight debt investment. Sometimes it's debt plus um, investing in some form of equity. And that's kind of nice because aligning yourself. And remember I said early on, a big what we're trying to do is align our interest with management. Uh, that That's a good way to align interest. You know, if, if, um, if we're all rowing in the same direction, the equity grows and all of us have a good outcome. So a fair amount as well. Um, sometimes we did a deal where a management team was buying out a business. Uh, they didn't really have enough to end up a majority of the business. So we stepped in and bought a majority of the business, um, doing okay. it through a lot of sub debt, a lot of equity, and and let them roll the small amount really that of uh, value that they were rolling, kind of in in closing bonuses into um, in, into uh, an equity position. That company uh, grew over seven years and just sold, and everybody's very happy about it. You know, those are the kind of things you can do when you you're looking at. Um, at a unique deal and trying to find a unique solution. I will say out of all those deals that we've done, there's very few that are exactly the same. The The split mm-hmm. between debt and equity will be different. Um, rates will be different. There'll be um, sometimes um, variable rates based on uh, leverage or something like that. Lots of things that we can do in a transaction to make it work for the the uh, the business owner um, or the private equity group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I mean tremendous flexibility, especially when you think of you know the paradigm of uh, 
kind of the you know the traditional paradigm of you know, going downtown to to the bank you know to try to get a loan uh and and uh and or you know uh hiring a business broker to just sell your company uh it, it's it sounds like just a variety of flexible options um in between those two right i is a is a good name for what we do because it is kind of in the middle it's um it's right if you think about it in its purest form it's sort of at the first dollar after everything the bank is willing to do you know all the way to the last dollar uh before equity is is required so it's that chunk in the middle that um it gets a medium return i mean this this is kind of interesting too because we're not we're not like a a either private equity or a uh, venture capital firm where we're trying to hit the the ball out of the park. We're, we're really a singles business and hoping once Mm. in a while to leg out a double. And, um, you know, the way you do that is be consistent. Uh, We, we don't typically lend um, at high leverages. So, you know, you're not putting your company from, you know, what happens from a, you know, a recession or something like that. I mean, we really didn't have uh, after this last um, uh, the the COVID um, event. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we didn't really have any anything that was that blew up. We had we had scenarios where we had to work with companies, and we did. And in general, very well across all of our portfolio. So part of kind of being smart going in. Um, you know, and are willing to put in a little bit of equity so it's not as levered as, um, as you know, maybe a, uh, an owner might want it to be because in general, they never think things are going to go bad. So, yeah, well, that's a, that is a really important point. Yeah. To drive home that, that uh, the mezzanine asset class, this is very different than, as you said, a, a venture capital firm, or maybe some of the, some of the reputation of uh, some uh, equity owners where, uh, they're going to want, you know, you to, you know, they want you to double the size of the company, you know, every year or something, or maybe venture capital, you get a, you know, constant pressure to grow and, and uh, achieve outsized returns. Of course, it, you know, if that happens that you'll be happy, but, uh, but that's not the focus of, of your asset class. And that's not the focus as uh, once you do a deal. Right. I don't think of it as a high risk asset class because, we're trying to mitigate risk. You know, we, we love growth. Everyone does, but you do it in a, in a way that, um, uh, that, that's reasonable and, um, and, and you're not essentially better on a new location or a, a new product or something like that. You're, uh, you're incrementally growing and you do it at a, at a, you can do it at a pretty, and still be smart about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's great. And then that that's a good uh, kind of segue into uh, because of that uh, flexibility and uh, relative patience uh, that that the mezzanine asset class with it kind of dispels some of the myths that um, that some folks might have about uh, mezzanine lenders, uh, meaning that uh, and what one of them I know would be that uh, if they uh, if there's, you know, a, a, they have a bad quarter or a bad month, or maybe there's a seasonal uh, aspect to their business, or 
something like, you know, we had where, you know, a global event like COVID or some type of go, uh, macroeconomic uh, concerns that, uh, that you're going to be really unforgiving or, uh, you know, freak out, <laughs> you know, so to yeah. speak. Yeah. The, the, the we know that we're going to go into it, we think, usually five years. That's kind of the rule of thumb. And we know that in general, there's a pretty good chance there's going to be some uh, economic disturbance, some kind of um, maybe recession during that time. We know there are going to be bumps. We actually build into our models, um, you know, just how how rugged the, the capital structure is so that we know we can get through those bumps. So focusing on are the things outside of that that are uh, problematic. And that's and another thing that's interesting is we really don't have a ton of, um, let's call it power. Because mm-hmm. remember, we're subordinated to the bank. So it's not like we can loan to own. We can get in there mm-hmm. and there's a trip of default and we go in and take the company because that's just, that's not going to let us do it. Um, mm-hmm. We generally have to do, and this goes back um, aligning of interest and pick partners. We have to rely on our, on our, uh, I guess, powers of persuasion to have a conversation mm-hmm. with owners to try to figure out what to do. And we generally are working side by side with them. I, I can't really think of a scenario where we've, been crossed with a management team and and had a bad outcome like that. What we're generally trying to do is to work with them and get an outcome that all of us are happy with. And remember, we've got seven people. We can't we can't have we can't control 25 deals. So mm-hmm. what we're really trying to do is leverage the relationship and talent of the management team so that um, so the company ends up with a good outcome. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, absolutely. And then talk about how um, not only relationships are important in your business, but uh, reputation, right? Um, yeah. And so it's, it's interesting. We, we see deals from, um, so individual management teams. We've had the same um, manager come back to us, you know, from Cabell and I's, old uh, old days back at in uh, at our old firm you know come back and do another deal with us part of that is mm-hmm. because they know who we are and how we operate so that's it is, it's a small community if you if you were a bad actor, you could um, you know you're not likely to see a lot of deals folks like you I mean rush street is if we were to had a bad rep you know you're gonna tell your clients hey listen man they're in the ballpark on pricing, but I wouldn't I wouldn't go with these guys because I'll tell you last client of mine. So so we I think first of all it's word, not word travels word travels pretty fast. <laughs> it does. Word it, travels pretty fast. It's not constructive for us to do it. One and two, it's a short term play. Um, the other little side thing is that we're a what's called an SBIC, small business investment company. And we're a licensee of the SBA. So basically, the SBA is like one of our limited, one way to think right. about it. You know, they're looking out for the small business as well. If they came and saw that we were doing things that were, you know, out of bounds, you know, 
our license. So we're we're mm. constantly trying to be, um, uh, you know, handle things in a way that is is for the benefit of the uh, for the company, really. Uh, that's where we all uh, have an alignment of interest. That's great. Well, Phil, uh, one other question I had just uh, how. Uh, you know, being a, 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 firm, a small firm, and I know, having worked with you guys, you work really hard. How many deals do you, um, uh, on an average uh, basis, on an average year, how many deals do you review? And then how many deals are you looking to to work on and, and do each year? Okay, well, that's kind of interesting. Um, we will see somewhere between four and 600 deals a year. Now, some mm-hmm. of those are immediately, they don't fit. They're um, right. you know, something that we can't do. Uh, they're non-U.S. component or something like that. That, right. that we just can't do. So you take pre-revenue. Pre-revenue. Yeah, too small. Revenue. You know, our, our revenue target is kind of 10 to 100 million EBITDA level of 2 to 10. Uh, so, you know, there's a size there. Um, so throw those out and then then we'll review them everything that comes in we talk about in our Monday morning meeting we decide what to move ahead on um, and a lot of times it's just hey let's learn more about this this is interesting so we'll have a call with um, the investment banker or the CEO and a little bit more and eventually we get to the point where we issue uh, terms a term sheet and mm-hmm. we issue maybe about 25 of those each and of those, we'll close, I think this year it'll be, uh, so if you do the math, we've done 45 deals in 10 years, so that's four and a half a year. I think we're doing more now than we used to. So I'm thinking kind of six or so a year. Um, and that, that's about how we, that's kind of how the, the, the funnel works. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Well, Phil, I think, We'll, we'll maybe start to wrap it up there. Uh, uh, in conclusion, thank you very much, Phil McNeil, Farragut Capital Partners, for joining. Uh, and I would say, yeah, in summary, uh, what I've heard you describe as the mezzanine uh, debt uh, class in your firm is, uh, is a really uh, f- provides a lot of flexibility and creativity for business owners in uh, the lower middle market, uh, small to medium-sized businesses. Uh, you're not hard to work with. You're relationship focused. You're uh, pretty forgiving when the company has a bad month or a bad quarter, and uh, you're not. Uh, you don't have the time or the inclination or the structure to uh, to really mess with the ownership of a company. That you're there for the long haul, and uh, and you're really providing a valuable uh, a, a valuable flexible solution for for businesses. And you've been doing it for a while now. Yeah, we have, and um, I don't see stopping anytime soon. This is this is kind of a great job because you get to see so many different kinds of companies right at the most interesting time of their, um, mm-hmm. you know, their life. And so it's, um, it, it, it's you know, it's one of these jobs that I work to every day. That's awesome. Well, so nice to meet to be with you today, Phil, and uh, and spend time with an old friend. Phil McNeil from Farragut Capital Partners. You can get more information about their firm at farragutcapitalpartners.com. 
uh, and we will uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for having me. Enjoyed it. All right. Have a great day. Thanks, everybody. Commercial Debt Doctors is a podcast dedicated to helping businesses and business owners to achieve their financial goals and help unlock the best and most advantageous ways to use debt to capitalize your business. We are based in the United States, which is home to the most robust and mature debt capital markets in the world. Each week, we will feature industry experts, lenders, accountants, attorneys, bankers, private equity professionals, and business owners who will share their real-world experience with us. We will all get the benefit of their shared knowledge and experience and use their lessons to make good decisions and hopefully avoid making bad decisions related to financing and capital. Today's podcast episode of Commercial Debt Doctors is brought to you by DiscountCatholicStore.com. Please visit DiscountCatholicStore.com today to receive some free promotional information. Your home for all authentic and hard-to-find Catholic gifts, rosaries, medals, amulets, prayer cards, Bibles, holy water, seasonal items, and much, much more. Our good friends at www.discountcatholicstore.com are really the best. They really care, and they are here to serve your needs. They provide amazing customer service and are genuine and authentic followers of the Catholic faith. Please visit discountcatholicstore.com today and receive your free promotion.